Welcome to The Yarn, a School Library Journal production. I'm Colby Sharp. Today's episode is part of our Unraveler series. In each Unraveler episode, a book creator takes us inside one of their books. Their inspirations, fears, frustrations, triumphs, epiphanies, the whole thing pulled apart, unraveled. In today's episode, I talk with author Ruth Behar about her new book, Across So Many Seas. We talk about what it was like writing a story that takes place over 500 years, the struggles to get four different stories to fit together, the relationship between research and writing, and her hope for the book. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Ruth. Ruth, can you tell us a little bit about Across So Many Seas? I'll be happy to, Colby. Thank you. Um, Across So Many Seas is a new middle grade novel that I just wrote. And um, it's being described as a Sephardic saga, a sweeping story that takes place over 500 years. And it's the story of four girls, all of whom are 12 years old, and all of whom are living in very um, dramatic historical moments. The first girl, Benvenida, is living in 1492 in Spain, and her family is Jewish, and they are being expelled from the country, and they have to figure out where they go next. Um, the girl who follows several uh, centuries later is Reina in 1923 Turkey. She is being expelled by her own father because she has disobeyed him. And then we uh, come to the next girl, um, Alegra, who is in Cuba in 1961 and living during the Cuban Revolution and very excited about participating in the literacy campaign. And then our last girl is Paloma, and she's in Miami in 2003, and she's inheriting all these stories and the songs that the ones before her sang, and she's trying to make sense of it all. 500 years is quite the (laughs) amount of time to cover in a middle grade novel. I must know, Ruth, (laughs) where did you start? (laughs) Well, I started with 1492. I've always been really curious about that time. And I had read a lot of books about Spain in that period and about the expulsion of the Jewish people. And I was just so curious about it and wondering what is this 1492? We always hear about the other Mm -hmm. 1492, the Columbus 1492, but other things were going on in Spain in 1492. And this was one of the important things going on. But we don't have a lot of information on how it affected young people, how kids were affected, you know, what were they thinking? What were they doing? What was it like to leave your home and go somewhere else? So I felt it was very contemporary in a way because, you know, these days we hear about so many immigrant children, some of whom cross with their families and some on their own. So it felt very contemporary, but it also felt like something from so long ago. So I started by writing the 1492 story and um, and then wondered, okay, where do I go from here? I could write probably a whole book about just the 1492 mm-hmm. story, but I was really curious to know what happens with history and how does history get passed on? And after 500 years, is there still a memory? Um, yeah. So that's why I then decided to jump into the 20th and 21st centuries. How did you, like, I don't 
like did, how did you know like what parts of history to go to because that is because the first jump from 1492 to 1923 is centuries and then for the the next two jumps after that it's just uh like 40ish years or like decades how mm-hmm. were you able to determine and like find these voices and know where to put them I don't know. I'm a very intuitive writer, but I I knew that the last three would be uh, grandmother, mother, Mm -hmm. and daughter. So those three would be closely related and related, you know, you know, what's the word soon, soon um, to each other. But, um, but then they would all have this distant ancestor that they were thinking about in various kinds of ways, maybe not knowing exactly who the ancestor was, but connecting to that heritage that came from so long ago. Um, So I had kind of decided that we'd start in 1492. And I did think of having other chapters where we wouldn't skip over so many centuries. Mm -hmm. I thought of having, you know, a 16th century or 17th century, 18th century, 19th century. But then it just didn't make sense to me. I liked the idea of there's this very distant past. There's still a connection to it. And we have three generations of girls and women trying to figure out how they connect to that past. And then what occurred to me is that the past would be conserved in the Sephardic Museum in Spain, and the museum would kind of be the site of of all of this history, and that somehow the three final characters would all connect at the museum with their past. Um, So I think all of that came together for me. I'd been to that museum many times. I'm also an anthropologist, so I'm really interested in like the vestiges of the past and you know how they get um, passed on to later generations. So, so it made sense in my mind um, to structure it that way. Were any of the parts of the four, any of the four parts, easier or more difficult uh, for you to write? I have to say, the last part, Paloma's part in two thousand three, I found that one hard to write. The one closest to the present, to our present was really the hardest one to write. I found it easier to write the earlier ones. I think to write the first one, um, I was somehow able to to get that one to work pretty well. I think maybe because it was a clear story of, okay, we're departing, mm-hmm. we're, we have to make this journey, we have to get to a seaport, and then we have to find our way to a refuge or to safety. So that was kind of like a clear narrative in a way. Um, and then with the second story with Reina, that one is somewhat inspired by my paternal grandmother, okay. who very mysteriously was sent to Cuba all by herself, and the rest of her family stayed behind. So so that one, I think I had been maybe carrying that story around for a while. And the, the last two stories, Alegra and Paloma, those I would say were just like so totally fictional that I almost had too much freedom to to figure out how to tell those stories. And so those were a little harder to tell because of that, because there were so many different ways those stories could go. Mm. Um, what was the hardest part about writing this book? I think the hardest part for me was figuring out whether it was all going to fit, you mm. know, it was all going to come together because it is four stories. It's four separate stories. It's four girls, four first person voices. And I thought, is this going to work? Are, are these stories going to connect? Um, is, is, am, am I making sense with this? <laughs> should, I have, should I have written about just one of the girls? Um, but here I had the four. 
Um, but then when I got to the last page, I said, oh, I, I think it all connected. And then I felt okay. Mm. Did you write it in order? I did. I did write it in order. And yeah. Did you finish one completely before you went to the next one? Or and were you having to like go back a lot to the different stories? Or was it just one, two, three, four? It was one, two, three, four. But then in the revision process, mm -hmm. I went back over all of the stories. Yeah. But I had to write them all. I had to have them like one at a time. It's like, okay, this Benvenida is going to go this far. We're going to get this far with Benvenida, this far with Reina, this far with Allegra, and then with Paloma. I, it's funny. I had an idea of the ending from very early on. At least I had this idea that it was going to take place at the museum, at that Sephardic museum in Toledo. So I, I had that in mind that was kind of like the goal that we would get to the museum somehow and I had to figure out why exactly would they be going to Spain um, the last in the last story. So, so that one was maybe the hardest one to, okay. to make it fit with the rest. Um, but, but then it, it just sort of came together in my mind. And, um, and then I just thought, yeah, I think it's working. How much of the book do you have like figured out in your head before you start writing? Very little, very little. I had basically, it was almost like a little poem that I wrote. And it was just like four girls, four moments in history, um, all of them looking for freedom and a sense of justice. I wrote like a, just like a little poem to myself, a little poem note about how I envisioned this book. Mm -hmm. And it's what I shared with Nancy Paulson, my editor. So there was very little on the page when I started, um, but I knew it was going to be four girls somehow. And I knew it was going to start in 1492. Um, so I had like th that sense of it, but I didn't have a lot on the page yet. I didn't have a lot of words on the page at all. When you're writing something like this that includes so much from history, are you just like doing like research at like before you start a story? Are you researching and writing, researching and writing? What is that process like? Yeah, a little bit of both. So I start by doing a lot of reading and research. I'm also a person who likes to go to places. Okay. And I think that's partly my background as an anthropologist. I, I like to go and like get to know the places. So um, so I'd been to Turkey, I'd been to Spain, I'd been to Cuba, been to Miami. So all those places were like very vivid in my mind. So the, the places were places I had really connected with. Um, and then after that, it was a matter of spending time uh, reading history books, reading accounts of life in these different places. For Turkey, for example, there's a website um, that I looked at um, that's like oral histories of Turkish Jews. And I read through um, several of those oral histories. For Spain, there's quite a lot of history of the Inquisition and the medieval period in Spain. I also watched some movies about that time period. Um, so I kind of really immersed myself uh, in the stories. And then in Cuba, I was born in Cuba and I've gone back, you know, many, many times to Cuba and have been in the countryside and and set the story um, in Havana in the actual building where my father grew up. And it's mm. a building and an apartment that I've visited several times. So I kind of like really soaked up the places and, and then the places together with some reading, you know, library reading um, allowed me to create the context for the stories. How long did it take to, to write a, this book? Um, that's a good question. I don't remember exactly, but maybe two years. Okay. 
I think. Um, I had most of it done by 2022. And then I went back to Spain. I wanted to go back to Toledo and just see the museum again and see the city again. So I basically had a complete draft by that time, went to Spain and then came back and then was revising um, some more um, after that and finished it up um, in 2023. Yeah, we're in 2024 now. Yeah, so finished it up in 2023. So it's a, it's a process. I kind of live, I live with my book manuscripts for a while. I don't like send them out there to the world all that quickly. I usually have it done, live with it for some time, you know, read and reread and revise and think about any last touches that I can make to, um, to really, you know, add to, to the magic of the story. I'm curious what it was like for you to go from like one world, it's almost like one world to like the next world. I know they're connected, but like, I just wanted, I could have spent 200 pages with all of these characters. Was it hard to, to be able to like leave them? Was it hard to be able to develop them? They all felt like just such strong characters and then they were just gone. And, uh, I, th- <laughs> I and, and I think like the kids are going to really feel, have so many feelings that are going through their heads and their hearts and just seeing what these kids go through. But then they have, then, then they're just like the next part. It was, it was really, fa- I mean, the, the book read so much faster than I thought when I started it. Like you just couldn't, I just couldn't stop. So what was it like to go from one world to the next? Was it like refreshing? I'm talking too much here, but I just like have no, so, much, no, so many this. thoughts about it. So what was it I like for, it. <laughs> for you, the creator? Well, I've never written a book like this. My other two middle grade novels have been first person mm-hmm. stories and like going really deep, you know, into the mind of one, you know, one person, <laughs> yeah. one character. So this was different. It was a real challenge to write something from four points of view and to see how they would connect. And, and yeah, and to kind of stop the story almost in midstream, like you can imagine the lives of each of these characters going on and like more things happening to all of them. So in a way, it'll be fun for kids because I think they can you know, spend some time with each character and go, okay, what's going to happen next to Benvenida? What's going to happen next, you know, to Reina? What's going to happen to her in Cuba? What about Allegra? And what about Paloma? You know, because I I had actually written a whole part where Paloma comes back from Spain and I was going to have a whole other section taking place again in Miami and then decided to cut it out. Um, So with this one, it, it was, it was kind of like, Oh my God, I could go on, but all right, I'm going to stop it here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was, it was hard. It was, it was, it was kind of a challenge in a way, but it was this idea of keeping each of the stories at more or less the mm-hmm. same length and kind of seeing them yeah. at one moment in time. So you don't see them at every moment in time, but there's this one moment and you get to live kind of that one moment with each of the girls. Um, and I thought, well, maybe that's okay. Maybe that's, that's a way to tell a story. There's so many ways to tell a story. And I yeah. thought, well, let's, let's see if this one works. And it was just kind of like experimenting and trying it out and, um, and hoping it would make sense to other people. I'm so excited for you to get to hear what kids think of it. Me I'm so, too. I'm so curious to know, Me like, too. will you hear, them want to talk about like will one character really stand out more than the others to them will different types of kids really connect with uh, one of the the girls more than the others it's just so there's just so much about history in this the other characters it just felt so it just felt like they were really like four 
like a real family to me. So I want to applaud you on that. As a historical fiction book, it really read to me like, like almost like I just assumed I just, they just felt real to me. So I Mm. wanted to, to say that before I ask you the last question, which is what is your hope for this book? Well, mostly the kids will want to read it. (laughs) That's my main hope. Mm -hmm. If kids read it and enjoy it and find it interesting, that would be great. And like you said, if they identify with one or more of the four characters or find something in each of them Mm -hmm. that that resonates with them in different ways, um, you know, because they're all searching for freedom. They're all, you know, searching for a sense of self, but a different sense of self at a different time period like what's possible at each time, you know, for each of each of these girls, like what what can they each hope to attain? Um, it's not going to be the same in each historical moment. And then I, th- I th- think that coming to the last girl, coming to Paloma, who's the closest to our time, I think that will be interesting for kids to see, well, do they feel like they're Paloma too? Are they memory keepers like she is? Um, so that is something that I'm intrigued by. And I'm wondering if they'll rethink 1492. Like, what, what are these historical dates <laughs> yeah. that that we learn about in school? You know, 1492, we learn certain dates. So I'm hoping that maybe they will rethink, you know, well, what is 1492? How do we decide that certain moments in history are important and we remember them and we, you know, pass on stories about them? And just, I'm really interested in the relationship between history and story. Mm. And I'm hoping that with this book, kids will think about that. Like, what is history and what is story? What are the stories that we tell about history? And to think about that. And then the book also has poetry. It has songs. So the songs are very important, too. If kids want to learn the songs, they can. I've created a playlist on my website so you can hear all the songs that are mentioned in the book. So I feel like there's, it's multidimensional, that it's, it's, it's a book, it's a novel, but you can also think about the music. There are like many ways to enter um, into the story and just hoping the kids will, will find it interesting and, and revelatory. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Yarn. Thank you to Ruth Bahar for talking to me about her brilliant new book, Across So Many Seas. Thank you to Philip Stead for creating our theme song. Additional music for this episode comes from the free music archive. Thank you to my good friend and school librarian, Travis Yonker, for helping me edit this episode. Travis is an awesome co-host, even better friend. Friends, thank you so much for listening. It means the world to us. Thanks for subscribing. Thanks for leaving us a review. Thanks for helping kids find great books to read. My name's Colby Sharp. Thank you for listening.